Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is Phillies. Today I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Friday, October the 4th. We have so much to get into as, believe it or not... We still do not know the fate of the Philadelphia Phillies manager, general manager now. There is so much to dive into. The last few days have been crazy. So um, since we talked, we, we, we were kind of all waiting. We are wondering, you know, how long will the Kapler wait continue? When will they make a decision one way or the other? And then um, a couple days ago, Jim Salisbury puts out, I'm here and it's not going to happen today. And that was on Wednesday and everyone's starting to think, oh my God, if it's not going to be Wednesday, when's it going to be? And then... A little bit later, Matt Gelb puts out a tweet saying that, reminder, it took the Phillies eight days to make a decision about Ed Wade before uh, eventually firing Ed Wade. Uh, the, the tweet from Gelb said, a reminder that it took the Phillies eight days after the 2005 season to fire Ed Wade. The longer this goes, the more questions there are about leadership above the manager. That was fascinating for someone like me who if you've listened to this show all year long you know i have felt pretty confident that matt clentag would be back as general manager after the season i didn't say that i would want him back but i said that i believed he would be back that tweet comes out from gelb and you're starting to say whoa whoa wait a second here then just a little bit later jason stark quote tweets that tweet and says i'm hearing buzz that it's now possible there won't be an announcement on the fate of Gabe Kapler until next week, which I'm taking as a sign the Phillies understand they have more to decide right now than just the fate of their manager. Whoa, baby. Bombshells coming out, so we are likely looking into next week before any sort of decision comes down. Phillies yesterday became the last team with a managerial decision who have not made it. The Mets decide to fire Mickey Callaway yesterday. Mickey Callaway signed as their manager the same year Gabe Kapler signed as the Phillies manager and is coming off a better season than the Phillies. The Mets finish in third place. The Phillies in fourth in the NL East wins a few more games than the Phillies. And yet Callaway out as Mets manager, and it really just puts the spotlight on this Philadelphia Phillies situation, the idea that this team is the only one of the teams that had decisions to make on the manager that have not made it yet. And then, of course, it comes out that maybe it's because there is more to decide. Let's dive into it all because this is really a fascinating situation. And to be frank, a real pivot point 
for this franchise moving forward. John Middleton's decision, whatever it may be, is going to set in motion the future of this franchise. There is a lot that has to be done this offseason. There's a lot that has to be decided. Obviously, will the general manager stare go? Will the manager stare go? Which obviously looks unlikely, especially if they let the manager, the general manager go. You would think they would probably clean house. They still have to hire a scouting director. And then again, if they do change over, think about all that they would have to do this offseason. Forgetting about the players and you know, building a rotation. Do they sign Garrett Cole? Do they sign Anthony Rendon? Building a bullpen more or less from scratch, so to speak. A lot of on-the-field issues this team faces this offseason, but none of that can even be talked about until they make this decision about the front office of this team, about the direction of this franchise. And it is such a massively important decision for this Phillies franchise. I mean, John Middleton right now probably has a a lot to deal with. And look, there are a lot of reasons why it could be taking so long. It could be that it could be that he's already made a decision and he's waiting for playoff teams to be done. That's a possibility. Maybe, like I am praying, he wants to bring Chaim Bloom from the Tampa Bay Rays here. Chaim Bloom was a finalist for the job when Matt Klentak got it in 2015. Bloom has built the Rays, a team that Won a playoff game already, won the wild card game, will take on the Astros in the American League playoffs. Made the playoffs with the lowest payroll in baseball, 55% lower than the average Major League Baseball player. Let me say that again. The Tampa Bay Rays have made the playoffs this year with a payroll that is 55% below the average payroll in Major League Baseball. That is insane. So it would be smart of John Middleton to wait if he wants to talk to a guy like Chaim Bloom about this general manager job, potentially. Maybe there are coaches on these teams. The Yankees bench coach was mentioned as a potential guy they could be interested in to replace Kavler if they do. Uh, the, the Dodgers bench coach, Bob Guerin, of course, uh, man, GAs for a minute back in the day. Bob Guerin, a name that was tossed around as someone who potentially could be interested in. All these guys, they have to wait until the playoffs are over to sign those guys, if those are the guys they're interested in, if those are the guys they have their eyes on. But it really is a real question now of, of what's going on. Why is it going on? Do they have a plan? I mean, that's probably the biggest question you ask is, is John Middleton flying by the seat of his pants or is he looking at the landscape and saying, all right, we need to make serious changes. This is not something that happens overnight. Let's talk about it. Which also raises the question, you know, they've had a month plus to make these types of decisions since they were, you know, for all intents and purposes, eliminated from the playoffs. So um, when you look at it that way, I mean, you wonder why something hasn't happened yet. Um, it's a really fascinating situation, and I don't know whether to read it as, look, you read on the one way as saying, like, look, they are dysfunctional right now. The fact that they don't know what they're going to do, the fact that they are still trying to decide, and then, look, the fact that they're creating a situation where now if he does decide to bring Klintag back, it will be right after all these reports come out about him thinking about not bringing him back. So from that perspective, you can look at it and say, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm concerned that John Middleton doesn't know what he's doing. That's a, a fair critique to say at this moment because we don't know. You could also look at it on the flip side and say, hey, this is a massive decision for the future of this franchise. I don't want it to be done overnight. I want my owner to look at everything there is on the table. What are the options? Who's available? Are they better than what we have? There's so many factors that go into something like this, especially if they're cleaning house. I mean, think about the idea of having to replace an entire front office in an offseason while also finding the next manager of the team, especially because if you are going to replace the front office, 
then you have to find a manager who's going to jive with that front office. It's not like you're going to go hire a manager, bring that guy in, and then say, oh, by the way, we're hiring this general manager. You guys don't philosophically think alike, but you'll figure it out. I mean, that that couldn't be something that could happen, right? I mean, that's not even on the table as far as I'm concerned. So this is one of the biggest weeks in recent Phillies history when you look at everything that has to be decided. Will they establish a new front office? I mean, I think that's the... Look, we've talked on this show ad nauseum about the Gabe Kapler situation. Will they, won't they, should they, shouldn't they? All that type of stuff. I think you know pretty well where I stand that I don't blame Gabe for a lot of the issues this season, but I also am not 100% sure that, that Gabe... Um, I, not, a, not even not 100 I definitely believe that, that there are issues that do fall on Gabe with the team's um, being ready for games with the you know kind of lack of rules in the clubhouse potentially and the lack of accountability in a lot of cases for things like hustling and all that type of stuff. But um, I definitely don't blame Gabe more than I blame Matt Klentak. So uh, as someone who just assumed that Gabe Kapler would be the one who would, you know, quote-unquote, take the fall this offseason, which is really what I thought was going to happen, I really thought that Matt Klentak would be back and... Kapler would take the fall. And now it really appears like that it's possible that both guys could go. It's possible that Matt Klintag could go, which, again, this is something where, as the season came to a close, and really over the last month of the season, I just found it really hard to believe that John Middleton would do that for a number of reasons. First and foremost, he was so effusive about Matt Klintag back in March when the Harper signing went down. He called him an elite general manager, all these types of things. So it, it appeared at the time that John Middleton was very pro-Matt Klintag. Obviously, his statement said so. So in seven months, when the roster really hasn't changed that much from what it looked like going into the season, I'm surprised that that Middleton is potentially considering moving on from someone he was so high on just seven months ago. Now, having said that, I also give John Middleton a lot of credit for looking at the situation and saying, maybe I was wrong. I mean, that is something we have to acknowledge, the fact that in a lot of cases, sometimes people will say, well, well, I'm right, you're wrong, especially people in positions of power. John Middleton's a billionaire. He's a powerful, smart, strong man. So for him to be willing to step back and say, hey, I know what I said seven months ago, but I don't care if that makes me look silly. I don't care if I'm going to get some criticism for being so positive about this guy seven months ago and then in just seven months completely changing my tune. I think that takes a lot of chutzpah, and I do appreciate that from John Middleton. I appreciate that he's willing to step back and look at this situation and say, hey, maybe just because I felt this way seven months ago doesn't mean it was the right way to feel. The last seven months have changed my opinion. I really appreciate that. Now, the question is why. And, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of different reasons. You hope that this is Middleton's own opinion, that he's not getting too much information from other people or this or that, that that he's the guy in charge. He's the one who should be making this decision ultimately. But I do think that the fact that he's... It's, it's, it's shocking, to be honest. I was sure. I felt like it was like a 1% chance that Matt Klintak would be gone at the end of the season. And again, it's crazy to say that because I do think that Matt Klintak deserves to lose his job. I think when you look at the way this Phillies organization, this Phillies team is set up now and in the future, there are so many mistakes that have been made that it's so clear that I think he's overmatched. 
obviously we talk about it a ton, but you know, just going into the, the season, counting on the pitching staff that they did, counting on Pavetta and Arietta and Eflin and all these guys, Velasquez. And again, and Klintak has defended those decisions, saying, you know, we expected Pavetta to get better, Eflin to get better, all these guys to get better. And I get that with Pavetta. I could see that. But you can't tell me that it was the right thing to expect that Vincent Velasquez was going to get better. If you asked 100% of Phillies fans, they would say no to Vinny Velasquez again. We're done. We've seen this story. We know how it plays out. We're good. No more Vincent Velasquez. Same thing with Franco. Flipping it to the offensive side of things. We all knew what Franco was, and yet they rolled in the season with him as their third baseman, and obviously it didn't last. And then forgetting even the, the team on the field this year, because while I do think that has to go into the indictments of Matt Klintag barrel, as it were. And that I do think it matters that they went 80 and 82 two years ago and then 81 and 81 this year. That's not good enough, especially after everything they told us about being the, the quickest rebuild and all these types to make the playoffs and all these types of things that we've heard so many times from this front office and the you know somewhat arrogance with which they've said them to us. I mean, again, I think Andy McPhail should have been fired just for saying if they don't, they don't. I mean, that is... Woo! I mean, on the spot, you should have fired him for saying, if we don't, we don't. Basically say, I don't care if we make the playoffs, whatever. It's cool. You know, no big. I mean, that was an outrageous statement. But um, when you look at the, the, I think the bigger issue, and forget it, and this does matter. Again, many people, including John Middleton, including Matt Klintak, everyone has said this is a results-based business. And it is. It's a meritocracy. You win or you lose, and you stay or you're out. That's the way it works. So with that in mind, I do think that the, the on-the-field product matters. What's happened the last two years matters. And injuries are not a good enough excuse. They're just not. Look at the Yankees. The Yankees won 100-plus games. They're in the playoffs. And they were playing like guys like Gio Urshela. You ever hear of Gio Urshela before? I only did because I watched way too much baseball and he was with the Indians the year before. Gio Urshela stunk with the Indians. He's a star with the Yankees. The Yankees lost so many guys over the course of the season, but were able to recover. You know why? And that's what I'm getting to. The biggest issue here. The biggest indictment of Matt Clintac is that they have four years, four years to build a team. And I'm not even talking the major league level. I'm talking organizationally speaking. To build a future. And in those years, you tanked for a few of them. You purposefully got higher draft picks. You did everything you could to not compete so that you could get higher picks so you could come out of this with elite talent in your organization. And the biggest indictment of Matt Klintak, the biggest indictment of this front office is the lack of talent that there is throughout this organization. They have two guys in the minor leagues you can look at and say, yeah, they could be an all-star someday. Two. Maybe if you want to throw Bryson Stott in there, their first-round pick from this year, sure. Who knows there? If you look at Alec Baum and Spencer, are those the only two guys in this entire organization who you feel good about potentially being an all-star player at the major league level? That's a disaster. That's a disaster. You look at the other teams that went through similar rebuilds that we've talked about many times, but the Astros. The Astros lost over 100 games three years in a row. And now they're going to try and win their second World Series in the last few years, and they're the favorite to do it because they got guys like Jordan Alvarez and Alex Bregman and George Springer and Jose Altuve and all this homegrown talent that have become the best players in baseball. 
Same thing with the Dodgers. We talk about them all the time. But Cody Bellinger and Walker Bueller and, you know, all these guys who are who are superstar type talents. Max Muncy and Jock Peterson and all these guys who are really good baseball players. Guys who can contribute to winning a World Series. And it's all from organizational depth. I've said this a ton of times. If you look at the Dodgers, the Dodgers just brought up two tw- top 20 prospects. One to pitch out of their bullpen, the other to play sometimes. Gavin Lux is a top 5 or 10 prospect in baseball. Dustin May, a top 20 prospect in baseball. The Dodgers just brought those guys up to help win a World Series this year. To play marginal roles because they can. Because they have so much organizational depth of talent that they can do that. They can just bring guys up to help along the way. It's unbelievable. The Braves in our own division, we see that. How about the Nationals, who... We'll get to the Nationals later because I do have something I want to say about the Nationals. But the Nationals win a playoff, win that wild card game. You look at that team, it's all these homegrown, talented guys. Anthony Rendon, of course, but Juan Soto, who's a star at the age of 20. Where's our 20-year-old star? We don't have one. Trey Turner. I mean, they just have guys. They just have talent that they brought up through their organization. And then they supplement. They trade for Max Scherzer. They sign Patrick Corbin. Strasburg up through the organization. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. It's infuriating to look around baseball and see all this talent on all these teams, especially teams that Phillies are competing directly with. And to know not only that these teams are better now, they're better today. Clearly, because these teams are playing in the playoffs. They're clearly better. But not only are they better now, not only do they have younger, better talent on the Major League roster, but they're still bringing up talent. They have farm systems with talent. That is the biggest indictment of Matt Klintak. That is the biggest indictment of Andy McPhail. That is the biggest indictment of this Phillies front office. And that alone, that alone, forgetting everything else, but we have other reasons, that alone is the reason that I believe John Middleton should move on. He needs to go get a guy like Chaim Bloom. Again, Chaim Bloom is the number two on the race. He helped build this team that is in the playoffs with a 55% lower than average salary in terms of team salary compared to the rest of the league. I mean, come on. John Middleton needs to go out and get a very smart baseball man to run this franchise, and I don't believe Matt Klintak is that man. I don't believe Andy McPhail is that man. And the funny thing is, is Kapler is like, for me, it's like the, the least of the worries. And again, I'm fine with them moving on from Kapler. And I think they will, one way or the other. I think Kapler's probably almost definitely gone. But man, he is the least of the worries. This front office has been the real issue. And I think it's time for Middleton to move on. And I give him credit for doing something, potentially doing something that no one thought he would do. Everyone thought this front office was fine. They're set. They're not going anywhere. It's interesting. It's interesting to think about the fact that maybe John Middleton is reevaluating that. We'll continue to talk about it coming up. We will continue this conversation. Also, a uh, comment about the Nationals. I want to make in a quick look at the MLB playoffs now that they are set after the wild card game. All that's coming up more as we continue here on Phillies Today. It's James Seltzer. We're coming right back. We are back, Phillies today, James Seltzer, as we continue to talk about the potential changes here in Philadelphia. And coming up in a minute, we'll look at the playoffs and a quick note for the Nationals. But just to tie a bow on this conversation, 
again, I just want to... I, right now, we really are in limbo. We don't know. We don't know what John Middleton's thinking. We don't know why he's thinking it. We don't know what he's going to do, whether it's manager, general manager, above, all that. We really don't know. You know. We're going off some suppositions. All we know is that he hasn't announced anything yet. That's all we know. But look, I think Matt Gelb, Jason Stark, Jim Salisbury, those put types of guys who put these things out there, Jim, Jason Stark saying that, he phrases it as, this is what I'm thinking. But that doesn't come from nowhere. Jason Stark has been plugged into the Phillies for 30 years or 25 years or whatever it is. He knows things. So I do think it is relevant that he said that. I think it's relevant that Matt Gelb said that. I think it's relevant what Jim Salisbury said. These guys know what they're talking about. They have sources. They are around this team. They're connected. So I think there's a real chance. Again, I, so so at the end of the season, I said I thought it was a 95% chance Gabe Kapler would be fired and a 2% chance that Matt Klintak would be fired. Kapler percentage is still very similar. I think it's 95 to 99, whatever you want to say. I think it's very likely Kapler is gone, whatever does happen. Again, I'll, let's say 95. I want to, I, I'm not saying it's a sure thing, but I feel very likely. But And again, look, this is me saying Klintak was 2%. Now I'd say it's like 50-50. It's 50-50. Middleton might make a real change here. And again, props to John Middleton for being able to reevaluate something, to be able to step back and say, hey, wait a minute. This isn't working how I thought it was going to work. Maybe we need to do something. I, I give him credit for that. Now, he has to go do it. It's time to bring smart baseball people into Philadelphia. Bring me Chaim Blue. Bring me someone smart to run this organization. It's time. Because this, this regime has had four years to build up talent on the roster, the organizational roster, minors, majors, talent. And they just haven't done it. The only talent they brought in that's worth something is Bryce Harper. Anyone could pay Bryce Harper $330 million. Anybody. JT Romuto. Anybody could trade the top their top pitching prospect for a guy. I need to see more. I need to see an organization with talent top to bottom, like the Dodgers, like the Astros, like the Braves, like the Yankees, like these teams. The Phillies are not that, sadly. All right, uh, we'll continue. Look, we'll be back next week. We'll continue doing Phillies today, talking about everything. And, of course, uh, be there the moment anything does break or happen. We'll be all over it. Quick note, I want to mention um, the playoffs in full swing, and it is depressing. It's always tough to watch the playoffs when the Phillies lose. But, man, the Major League Baseball playoffs are the best. They really are. They are the best playoffs in any sport. They're so much fun. And um, I know we're bummed about the Phillies, but it's worth watching. So if I can get you to watch the playoffs, give it a shot. It's great baseball. It's super fun. we got some good series coming up. The Rays handle business against the A's. The Nationals sadly handle business against the Brewers in the wild card games. So the uh, the series breakdowns, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals will take on the Atlanta Braves in a five-game series, and the Washington Nationals against the Dodgers in a five-game series in the American League. The Tampa Bay Rays will head to Houston to take on the Astros in a five-game series, and then the Minnesota Twins will take on the New York Yankees. My predictions, at the beginning of the season, I predicted um, the St. Louis Cardinals and the New York Yankees to play in the World Series. So, still there. Pretty proud of myself with that one. Way to go, me. I'm patting on myself on the back right now. Just a little, little pat on the back if you can hear that. So, uh, good job. Now, after that pat in the back, I'm going to completely change my prediction because I don't think... It will have, and I got to be real. Obviously, I predicted at the end of the season. It's my official prediction. That's what it was. It can't change. But now, just in terms of, of looking at the landscape, it's really, um, it seems obvious and not fun. 
Uh, but I think it's Astros-Dodgers. I just think they're the two best teams. Uh, I really do. I mean, the Astros, starting rotation in a playoff series, being able to roll out their Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke might be the best top three I ever remember in the playoffs. I'm not even kidding. Might be the best I've ever seen. I mean, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander are coming off otherworldly seasons. A couple of the best seasons we've seen in a while from pitchers. So, man. I think the Astros are really tough to beat. You add Jordan Alvarez into that lineup, it's, it's almost unfair. Bregman, potential MVP. I, I just, I think the Astros are too good. And same thing with the Dodgers. I just think the Dodgers are too good. There's too much talent top to bottom. I think this might be the best Dodgers team of the last three years. They've gone to the World Series two years in a row. This will be the third year in a row if they make it. I think it's the best team they've had and. For what it's worth, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Dodgers win. It's been since 88. I have no problem with the Dodgers. We took advantage of them in 2008, 2009 as well. Remember that? So I'm fine with the Dodgers winning it. Um, I don't love any of the teams. I think uh, the Rays winning it would be the most fun just because all the stuff we talked about with the uh, low payroll. But either way, I'll say Astros, Dodgers. I think the Astros win it, but I'll be pulling for the Dodgers, real quick, before we get out of here, I want to mention it to the Washington Nationals who won that wild card game. And look, I, we can't say much because they made the playoffs. We didn't. They won the wild card game. We didn't. We got Harper. We talked a lot of smack. They made the playoffs. We didn't. Good for you. But can you guys not act like you won the World Series when you won the wild card game? Both the fans and especially the players who celebrated like crazy when they won a wild card game. You got more to do. You're playing the Dodgers now. Five game series. Chill out. Okay, just chill out. Act like you've been there before, even if you haven't. All right, uh, we'll be back next week. We'll continue to break down this Philly situation. We'll see if there's movement, if uh, if there's a new general manager, a new coach, all that type of stuff, new manager, all that stuff. We will be here to talk about it also. Until then, have a wonderful weekend, and thank you for listening to Phillies today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law